0: Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on my personal Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. That's LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and the Megaphone app. Wherever you are, we're available and there for you. I was kind of wondering what exactly I was going to talk about on tonight's show, because, you know, things are a little bit quiet since the Jets had a couple of weekend games and things were calming down and settling down, but, of course, a couple of days ago there came out some news that the Dustin Bufflin situation was going to resolve itself pretty soon. Uh, it's been in limbo for a couple of months now, and I think most people were sort of suspecting that at some point there would be some kind of a, a formal divorce Uh, Whether it was a mutual separation, a trade, a retirement, who knows? Wasn't exactly clear what the situation was. But as of today, things have basically come to a head and it seems like the Jets and Bufflin are both mutually terminating his contract. This is fairly uncommon because guys usually don't have their contracts mutually terminated unless there's something pretty serious going on in the background. I've never really felt like the situation has ever been normal, but basically Bufflin wants control of whatever he chooses next, whether that's to sign with a brand new team, or retire and just hang up the skates. That would be kind of it if there hadn't been a lot of follow-up afterwards from the local Winnipeg media, and this is where things get a little bit strange. The Free Press ran an article about Bufflin's departure, and the headline actually said something like Good Riddance, Big Buff. The article itself was also a little bit uh, critical of the whole situation and and really kind of took aim at some of Bufflin's actions throughout the whole process, which, you know, is, is fair and warranted in some respects. But, I don't know, something about this all feels very off to me. It feels like something has happened between Bufflin and the Jets, and the relationship really soured to a point where now people are trying to get ahead of the story and publish their side of things before Bufflin publishes his own. I'd be very curious to know what happened in this whole situation, but we're probably never going to find out, and honestly, I think that's probably for the best. Whatever went down between Bufflin and the Jets and the team itself, whether it's the management office, the other players on the roster, who knows, I think it's just best to try and bury it and move on, as long as, like, nothing criminal or something happened. But I think that the situation, whatever it was, must have been very serious because otherwise we wouldn't really be at this point. It's going to be hard for the Jets to really find a replacement. I think they were already planning for life after him, because he's already, you know, in his his mid-30s at this point, but even then, he still had a year or so on his contract left, and I think that the Jets, I don't know if they were intending to bring him back after his contract ran out, I think he would probably retire at that point, but if he did come back, you know, obviously the Jets need a big-shot right-handed defenseman of his caliber. And to be quite honest, Bufflin is also like the face of this franchise. He's very important to the team from a marketing perspective, from a brand and image perspective, all of that good stuff. I mean, he's also a fantastic player on the ice, and everyone is, is quite well aware of his accomplishments as a defenseman. I'd argue, though, that before guys like Nikolai Ehlers and Patrick Linek emerged onto the scene, the face that I recognized as Winnipeg's real front-facing skater and, and true talent was always going to be Dustin Bufflin. This dude feels like he's been around with the team since forever, and even though, you know, he's spent around eight years with this current iteration of the Jets, it feels like an eternity. I mean, I I really can't imagine this team without Dustin Bufflin. It's already been hard enough watching it without him this year, but knowing that he's had such a nasty separation with Winnipeg, uh, who knows over what exactly transpired between the two, but beyond that, it's all just speculation, so... Strictly speaking of the facts, it just to me strikes me as there's something seriously wrong with the situation, and it's going to be hard without him. I mean, it was already bad enough that they don't have him for the season, but now they have to figure a plan where they now have seven and a half million in cap space, but they don't really have a way to replace a defenseman of his of his caliber and impact. It's obvious that Neil Pionk is is very capable as a second pairing guy, but he's certainly not what Bufflin was in his prime. I mean, Pionk is is very capable in like the number four role, but If you're looking for, like, a number one or number two defenseman, Pionk is probably not going to turn into that, if ever. And that's not really, you know, a knock against Neal. I think it's just indicating how spectacular and special Bufflin has been. There's never really been a defenseman who plays his style of hockey with the kind of offensive creativity, gifted skating, and booming shot to match his unbelievable physicality and sheer strength. You hear a lot about guys who are very unique players in the NHL, but most of them are kind of like, I don't know, they're, for me, copypasta. I mean, you, you see one NHLer, you've seen a lot of them. It's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. It's just they all make nice passes, they all have big shots, they all skate well. So, it can be hard to find somebody who really sets themselves apart without doing something stupid, like some of the stuff that Tom Wilson has done. But, Bufflin was very unique in that respect. He had this unmatched tenacity, physicality and strength, and the ability to just absolutely cream somebody but cleanly for the most part, and he married that with incredible hockey IQ and really fantastic offensive awareness, along with a a really great shot. It's why at one point people thought he was supposed to be an NHL winger, although it turns out his best position was as a defenseman. It's like having a power forward as a back-end QB, a really dangerous mixture of, of features and stuff that most NHL teams would kill for. There just really hasn't existed somebody quite like Dustin, and the way that he plays and his ability to overwhelm his opponents with both skill and strength is really an unmatched rare feat. I I can think of guys who might have similar approaches in some respects, but really don't get close to what Pufflin was, especially during his peak. If Pareko really used his frame to just straight up body guys and destroy them and, and, and get into fights and and really overwhelm them with physical strength uh, to match his, his offensive firepower and, and great skating, that would be the closest analog, but Perico's not really that kind of guy. Bufflin, meanwhile, is the kind of dude who would go into a scrum and grab two guys by the scruffs of their necks and pull them out of the fight. He was just that kind of you know skater and, and really a unique kind of approach to things. He's extremely unconventional, and at the time when he was drafted, Chicago actually straight up said, this dude's never going to be an NHLer. I believe he was the last overall pick in his draft year. To say that he, you know, carved out a truly magnificent career in, in both Atlanta and Winnipeg would be underselling just how great he's been. He was, for many years, a franchise cornerstone of this team, and it's going to be very hard to say goodbye. Whether or not he departed on bad terms, he will always hold a special place in my heart as a, as a long time and really a, a forever jet. The kind of player that he was and the sort of leader that he was for this team, through the good and the bad and the mediocre and everything in between, you know, Bufflin just meant everything to this this Jets squad, and it's really painful to see his career end like this. I really would have wanted to see him retire as a Jet, but instead they're going to part ways in what appears to be a pretty messy divorce, and I think that the details that come out might start to get a bit sloppy as we go through the next few weeks. Looking back on it, I think I have a couple of memories that always stood out for me as, as far as Dustin Bufflin is concerned. I think the, the biggest and best one that I always have is I went to Winnipeg in March or May of 2018, and that was at the time that the Jets were, of course, making their bid for a Stanley Cup. My trip there was really cool. I got to hang out with some of the True North execs on a plane ride. They were very friendly and very, you know, willing to talk about the Jets and stuff, Um, although in a very low-key and relaxed manner. Uh, and so we, w- I went to Winnipeg, and then I had tickets to Game 4 against Nashville. But then I entered a Twitter contest and ended up winning tickets to, to Game 3. The guy I was uh, crashing with ended up coming with me to Game 3 because I got two tickets, and I thought, what better way to, to repay the favor than invite this guy? I don't think he'd ever actually been to uh, a Jets playoff game because it's it's a pretty hard thing to get into. You have to understand, like, Winnipeg doesn't ever make the playoffs. They've They've done it twice now. Uh, in their eight-year span since relocation. But this is an extremely rare opportunity, and the first time that they did it, they got swept. But getting tickets to those games was almost impossible because it was the first playoff run since the relocation, and MTS is a very small rink, so seating and, and pricing are all very expensive and competitive. Lo and behold, though, I had managed to get these two tickets to game three, and, I mean, it was like the perfect mix of opportunity and and really a great experience. Game 3 was one of the best Jets games that I've ever gotten to see, I think, of all time, I would say. It honestly had everything, and it really started off in a way that you wouldn't imagine to be a particularly fun experience. The Jets were... I mean, they weren't bad, but, like, the first period they were down 2 or 3 nothing because Hellebuck let a few squeakers in, and it, it was kind of the Nashville story of Winnipeg being the stronger, dominant team and yet Hellebuck was, at the time, a little bit weaker than the rest of his competition. And so, unfortunately, those mistakes cost the Jets early in the game, and they found themselves in the 3-0 hole really quickly. And it was kind of an ugly start, too, because, I mean, the Jets were playing pretty good hockey, and yet here they were down 3 nothing despite getting so many glorious uh, high-danger opportunities um, that Rene was able to snuff out. It was, of course, pretty frustrating, but... You know, you you have a little bit of patience and see what the Jets can do because this team had shown that through thick and thin it was one of the best teams in the NHL. And I thought at the end of the day I still felt that they were going to win the cup. I don't know why I did, but I just felt that. And so watching them come back was something truly magical. I remember the Stastny fake goal that happened where I, I didn't even know that the puck actually went inside the net and out. We couldn't see it at the end of the ice that we were sitting. Like, the whole crowd was cheering on the one side of the rink, but the rest of us were totally lost. And then, of course, the goal announced, and then a few minutes later, Dustin Bufflin tees up a shot that somehow finds Twine and and brings it back down to a uh, 2-3 uh, deficit, which was, at the time, pretty magical for the Jets, because we really didn't have a whole lot to cling to, and we needed some sign of life and sign of hope. N- not even, like, a minute later, though, and then the Jets tie it on a Jacob Truba shot— That was more like Rene sprawled out and Truba just outweighed him after some good passing around the crease. But as if Bufflin hadn't already done enough to get the Jets within striking distance of tying it, then he gets the go-ahead goal right before the the bell for the end of the second period, and he does this little jig of a dance at the side, you know, along the glass, and I just remember this moment where he had so much cockiness and confidence. I missed that so much. I mean, it was a really funny thing because this expression of a, a, a happy dance... Uh, a celebratory moment when the Jets were down and out and clawed themselves back to a 4-3 lead. That, for me, was the true turning point in that series. It, I think it did go six or seven games, but that Game 3 comeback, after everything that the Jets had been through that season, that, I think, was what solidified my thought that Winnipeg was going to win a cup no matter what. I felt it so strongly that when the Caps won it, I was just kind of a little bit in disbelief. I thought, Wow. I really thought this was Winnipeg's year, man. They survived Nashville, they got to Vegas, and then things kind of fell apart. But, you know, the Jets made it one heck of a ride, and I really thought that this was the team that was going to break the hump and do it. But, unfortunately, things fell short, and uh, now here we are a couple of seasons later, and the Jets really don't seem to be, I don't know, they don't really seem to be competitive. And now we're without Bufflin. I, I don't even know. I can't believe that we're in this situation. We're without Bufflin. We don't have Truba. Perot's probably not going to be around for much longer. Brian Little's career might be in more question than I think people are letting on. You know, Wheeler slowing down. I mean, things have just totally changed over the past couple of years. And it's only been two since that season. And yet, here we are. So, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to see this team struggle as much as it has, and then have these messy divorces with guys like Enstrom and Bufflin, things that they maybe could have avoided. I always remember those moments where Bufflin would go into a scrum, and and sometimes he'd drag guys out, or, you know, he'd kind of laugh at a few guys who were trying to challenge him to a fight, but then, as soon as he kind of locked eyes, they just backed off and said, nope, nope, we're good. Or they would actually scramble to try and get away from him, because they knew that tangling with Dustin was just a really bad idea, Especially if you like things like winning fights. Because he, he was always going to win no matter what. <laughs> There's even an infamous... There Actually, are several infamous gifs of him, but I think one of the most famous ones is he was on the PK and he was next to the glass and turned to his left and looked up and saw a camera, looked back down and then quickly did a double take and like raised his eyebrows and almost winked uh, in a way at the camera before looking back and focusing on his work again. That was just kind of the guy Bufflin was. I mean, he was always a bit of a... Uh, a fun-loving player, and even though some of his interviews were more on the quiet side, he definitely wasn't quiet on the ice. You knew he was there, and I think that he is like a true, true character. I think that there's never going to be another player quite like him, and I'm I'm going to miss him so much. What he was for this team and this franchise and what he was to to me as a hockey fan, I'll never, ever forget that. Even if he never laces up again for Winnipeg or anyone else, I'm always going to miss him and remember him fondly as... Truly one of the greatest Jets I've ever gotten to see. Before we close out tonight with a look at how Jets are going to basically have to move on from Bufflin and and find some replacements and things and what options there might be, I just wanted to give you guys a quick PSA. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard about all the great advertising opportunities currently available with the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. But what you may not know is that the Locked On Winnipeg Jets show is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Winnipeg Jets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach fans right there in Winnipeg on a regular weekday basis. These aren't just any podcast listeners, they're Locked On listeners. And if your company wants to connect with Jets fans who are predominantly male, well-educated, and with disposable income, then feel free to give us a shout and get in touch as soon as possible. Local fans love supporting local businesses, and Jets fans are sure to support your business as well. If this sounds interesting to you, be sure to text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and drop us a line. Our team will work with you step-by-step to ensure your Locked On advertising campaign is a great success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Life after Bufflin might as well start now, even though we've basically been living in the post-Bufflin era for a couple of months now, and the Jets probably don't have a whole lot that they can do to fill this void. I think that Winnipeg is in the uncomfortable position of there not really being many right-handed defensemen who they could even trade for that would be good, or just left-handed defensemen too. I mean, there's not really many D that the Jets should really be interested in acquiring unless we're talking, like, a Hampus lindholm or josh manson or something there are some like short-term fixes and i guess colin miller probably fits in that general vicinity he's got term on his contract and he's relatively affordable but you know he's not exactly somebody that i would say anchors this top four unit for a very long time i think he'd be very competent and he's the kind of guy that you like to have around when your team is very competitive i think that he has power play value he's good at even strength and he'd also be, like, our second-best defenseman. So there's that. But aside from that, I think Miller is fine enough. Um, I guess there's also Dylan DeMello, and I liked DeMello when he was with San Jose. I'm not sure how he's doing with Ottawa, but if he is still as as decent as he was with the Sharks, I guess he's, he's fine as another second-pairing guy that you could probably pay not that much for. Fish him out of Ottawa and, and see if he's got something to offer this team. Aside from that, though, I just don't really know what options the Jets would really pursue. I guess Jake Gardner is with Carolina and has had a pretty wretched season. I'd imagine they want to keep him around and and keep things going, but if for some reason Gardner, not sure if he has like an NTC or an MC or anything, but if if he doesn't and at some point Carolina wants to move on from him, he'd be an interesting option to take a look at. I think his contract is very affordable, and I feel like his down down year relative to what his career is um, is probably a bit unlucky. He might be going through some injury stuff too don't know but I'd be inclined to give him a shot I mean worst case scenario we're stuck with a guy who's going to be a warm body for the team for the next couple of seasons and really the Jets just don't have a whole lot of that but I I kind of like the uh, I guess the over of him recovering a little bit I think he's still got a pretty decent set of legs and he's still got a decent brain even though he's kind of hard to watch sometimes he's been effective throughout his career and he'd be a good scoring defenseman for this team If the Jets kind of go like more pie in the sky, I mean, yeah, I mean, Josh Manson would be an option. I feel like he's probably going to be a lot more expensive, Uh, and I don't know that he—it's kind of hard to say where he is at this point, because after those first couple of of years where he was really great, the past couple of seasons have been wretched. Now, the Ducks themselves have been pretty terrible, so I don't really pin all of their struggles on him, but I could certainly see if if he has regressed a bit and he's not as dominant as he once was— then maybe the Jets should kind of avoid and steer clear, because he's not exactly young. I want to say he's close to 27 or 28 if he's not there already. So I would like somebody who's maybe around 24, 25-ish, and of course that comes with a premium in this league, hence why maybe flipping Neil Pionk at the trade deadline is an option, I personally think the Jets should offer Pionk a contract going forward, but I don't know what the team sees as far as his future is. One issue is that he's definitely put up enough points to deserve a major raise, and I'm not sure that... I i just don't know if I want to do that with him right now, because I don't know if he's really as good as he's looked. I feel like in the right situation, yeah, Pionk's very productive, and he can be a quality top four defenseman, but uh, you know, beyond a second pairing guy who maybe racks up and inflates his points off on the power play... I'm not really sure that I'm convinced he's he's like an even strength scorer and defender as well. I feel like he's been competent and good. I just wouldn't say you know let's give this guy four and a half or five million for four or five years. I'm not really I'm not really sold on that yet. Uh, he's he's been good. I just don't want to give him a major contract. I think I think if you if you were to extend him, it'd be on a bridge to see if he can sustain a success. Alternatively, if the Jets decide they are now sellers and start to look around. The league and see what they can do as far as taking on dead cap for teams that need to make moves at the deadline. Uh, they could try and like acquire like a David Baca or something and and look at some uh, contracts from teams that are are active contenders and need to make moves in order to bring in uh, some trade deadline rentals. Pittsburgh might be an option. I guess I don't know if the Blues really are in any cap trouble. They're probably not, and I don't think that any of their current contracts are really an issue for them. Same with Carolina. They're they're in pretty decent straits. Mm- Beyond that, maybe Washington would want to dump one of their defensemen that's, like, not really producing for them in the way that they were hoping. Nick Jensen has been on the outs with them, but Jensen is still a pretty good shutdown D, and he'd certainly be one of Winnipeg's better shutdown D as well. So if he's on the outs and he's available, I wouldn't mind tossing the Caps a pick. But beyond that, I don't know that Winnipeg's really going to make a whole lot of moves. I think that they're pretty much set with where they are, and they know that this is not really going to change their situation all that much as far as the current present is concerned. Going forward, things are going to be get a little bit complicated trying to find a replacement for Bufflin, but as for the present, the Jets are kind of stuck, and uh, frankly, that's that's fine. I mean, Winnipeg is trying to fight for a playoff spot, and, and I think that they should promote some of their young guys to see if any of them can be at least a little bit productive. If not, uh, you know, no harm done, no foul. This team is bad. It's been bad for a while, and it's probably going to continue being bad for the rest of the season, barring a shock. So just ride the wave, let it happen, kind of, you know, recollect and see what happens during the off season, and plan out from there. All right, guys, that's all I've got for you folks tonight. Thanks again so much for listening. As always, have a great night, and go Jets go!